Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of New Depths Podcast. My name is Dominic Mundy. I'm the executive director of the Northeast Bomb Pool Association. And today we have actually really interesting and a little bit different than some of the panels we've done before, some of the interviews. We have a panel of folks talking about trade schools and developing the workforce of the future for the pool and spa industry. Um, we have a couple different people here, including some people who have instructed some classes already. Um, I'm going to introduce you to Rob Van Brunt. He is with the BOCES School. He's a program administrator who's helping us organize a lot of these programs. Uh, Cheryl Heather and Kyle Chaikin, both with the Chaikin Ultimate Group, but also board members of the Long Island Pool and Spa Association and have been helped spearheading this initiative uh, here on the island. So first, before we do anything else, let's introduce and meet our panel today. Hello. Hi, Cheryl Heather. Hi, Kyle Chaikin with the Chaikin Ultimate Group. Also happen to be a board member of the Long Island Pool and Spa Association and on the executive committee of the Northeast Spa and Pool Association. And it just so happens I was the first instructor for the BOCES program that Cheryl, Rob, Dominic, myself, Karen Chaikin, uh, Julie Kasdan, and a few others helped to develop uh, to go into this particular arena and space of trade schools. So, um, Rob, I'm going to start over here with you um, uh, and tee this up a little bit as far as our relationship with BOCES and kind of how that even started. You know, in the pool industry, um, we're having we're having quite a time right now on a, on a lot of fronts. There's um, supply shortages. There's cost cost structure issues. There's a lot of things going on. But one of those things that's not new, but is, is, is an intensified factor right now for sure, is labor and growing our workforce and attracting more people mm-hmm. to the industry. And um, it was LIPSA and then LIPSA partnering with NESPA to reach out to your school and your program to find a way to develop some educational programs, not just for people that are out there that might need a job, but also mm-hmm. for the, the next generation, the people that are in trade schools right now. So we've kind of worked on a couple fronts with you, but why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about BOCES. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you tell us what it stands for, because I never remember, and, and uh, kind of how you work with trade groups in general, and then we can talk a little bit about the pool industry and LIPSA and, and how that's going so far. Sure. Uh, I'm with Eastern Suffolk BOCES. I'm with Eastern, Eastern Suffolk BOCES. Um, we cover everywhere from Brentwood out to Montauk. Um, in New York State, there's about 34 of us, I believe. Uh, it stands for Board of Cooperative Educational Services. My department primarily deals with uh, education for our secondary students, high school students in 11th and 12th grade, who come in to learn the career trades, uh, whether it's electrical, carpentry, you name it, we probably offer the program. Sure. Um, thanks to our connection with Cheryl with the Suffolk Business Alliance, uh, Southampton. Southampton, Southampton Business Alliance. Um, that's how we learned about uh, LIPSPA and NESPA, um, about the about the, the demands for the workforce out there. We partner with uh, with um, both Civic Business and the Suffolk County mm-hmm. uh, on meeting workforce um, needs in the region. Um, whether it's in the, the automotive with the Greater New York Auto Dealers Association, Granada, or with the Cosmetology Guild of New York, which is cosmetology teachers and uh, cosmetologists sure. in the region. Um, even with Suffolk County, with the Regional Economic Divorce, uh, Regional Economic Development Council, with the needs for businesses that have come in as a startup and they need to get workforce um, developed. 
So depending on the, the type of industry, we come in and say, well, this would be appropriate for high school students. Or really, you know what, you need more adults. You need to look at either our adult ed programming or Suffolk County Community College. And in our case, we kind of looked at both, mm-hmm. right? So Cheryl, you have a relationship with, with BOCES that kind of helped. And what I think is interesting um, for everybody that's going to watch this, right? Because most of the people that watch our podcast are our members or other people in the industry and not just um, in our region. You know, lots of reach outs from folks around the country who are checking out what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Cheryl, you had a relationship with BOCES through the Southampton Business Alliance. You saw something or identified something. And, and those are the, I'd, I'd like to hear more about it so that everybody can hear a little more about it because maybe wherever, whoever is listening to this is might spark something for them to think about a connection or a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to have other people thinking um, along the same lines. The Southampton Business Alliance is a business advocacy group, and we represent all businesses in the township of Southampton, which is on the eastern end of Long Island. And we have workforce crisis, you know, throughout uh, throughout our area. It's hard to find help, and especially in the building trades. So for many years, we were giving scholarships to kids going to a regular business school, and then our thinking started to change. How do we get kids to stay here and work in the building trades uh, where we really need help? And uh, I wound up putting my head together with the local superintendent of schools in Hampton Bays. Shout out to Lars Clemenson. And, um, and we came up with an idea. Kids want to go to trade school, but they need to come work ready. And that means a toolkit and uniforms, and that can cost $350 up to $500. And for some of these families, that could be cost prohibitive from their kid going to a trade school. Why do I love trade school education? Because you come out with a high-paying job with no college debt and that you are employable immediately, especially in area of Long Island. And through my involvement with the Northeast Regional Association, it's, it's, just, a, it's just a regional and national um, crisis. So we started giving the scholarships to any kid going to uh, study the building trades in the high school BOCES program in the town of Southampton gets a free toolkit. That's how that started. So I developed a great relationship with um, some of the um, management at BOCES, and then it kind of dovetailed because I've been on the board of directors of Long Island Pool and Spa Association, and we need people industry interested in, in learning that trade and thinking about it as a legitimate uh, building trade, carpentry, HVAC, plumbing, these are the trades that are offered as uh, as degree programs through BOCES, but uh, mm-hmm. people don't think about the pool and spa industry as, as a real career, and we need to change that thinking. And by people, that includes, especially teenagers, especially if you had said before you look at the next generation. Sure. Teenagers, basically, they have a very narrow view of the workforce demands. They see carpenters building houses. They see electricians wiring those houses, plumbers putting in plumbing systems in those houses. They don't always see the bigger picture, the other opportunities that are available to them, such as working in, in this industry. This industry, when right. as we started talking and planning out how we could work together, it's a natural fit because you use all the trades that are out there. 
um, that we that most trade schools offer. And high school kids right. don't look past what they see on TV or what they hear about about the industry. Sure. Um, so by broadening their perspective, you really are getting hooks, so to speak, into that next generation of installers, repair sure. service techs, even sales. Um, and I and I think it's the beginning of a great relationship that could build upon right. um, for high school students. Now, I, I know Kyle will probably talk a little bit about the, the class that he, that he taught for us. Um, adults who are coming back into the workforce, especially now after COVID, uh, after COVID are finding some positions don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't want to work from home. They, they have to get out and find other positions available to them. They see the potential careers um, uh, that are available to them right. if they have a little bit of talent in, in these trades. So I think that's yeah. a natural progression. When we talked to the high school students, um, we, we did, so what we did with the program was um, we did some intro to the industry kind of presentations, right, to uh, at least eight or 12 different classes It was of about students. 300 students we pitched it to. Yeah. Uh, 350. Some, some carpentry, some plumbing, some electrical. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was me and it was um, Kelly McKelvey, our director of communications, that talked to everybody about all these students about the, the career opportunities. Mm-hmm. And we said, if you were in a carpentry program because you're going to be a carpenter, and like a, like then, okay, great. But if you're in one of these programs because you like to work with your hands and, and you know, you're coming out with an OSHA 10 or maybe an OSHA 30 and you know all the tools in a toolbox and you know how to put how things kind of just go together, whether it's electrical, plumbing, or carpenter, you that that's a... That's a skill set within its own, or that's something you can take and work in a variety of industries, mm-hmm. including the pool industry, where you can you don't know you don't know about water chemistry, but you know an awful lot about how the world works when it comes to mechanical systems or when it comes to things like that. And that's how all transferable. How to how to read a multimeter, how to how to figure exactly. out and problem solve, um, using the skills that you have in the prospective trades. Yeah, and I think and even when we were letting the kid the questions come from the students organically. They were all about the same thing. How much money can I make? How many hours? Do I do? What does what does winter look like? And I'm sure these are all questions that other companies deal with on a regular basis. Well, at some so level, like, I was kind of I mean, because they're the obvious questions right. that you would expect a 17 year old to like. I don't know. Do you want to hire me? How much am I going to make? Um, they weren't afraid. They just they just asked the questions and wanted to know. And I think that was like the first question of yeah. all those sessions. And whereas usually that's probably the last question during an interview process. By the way, how much money will I make for doing this? Um, But I think if it it comes at all, if it comes up at all. But then we did do, and this is um, Kyle. You were you were a part of this, so um, I'm curious. You know what you would have to say because I think again, talking about what's interesting to people, you interviewed a bunch of these students, right? So we did these this presentation on the industry, and then did. They're more like mock interviews. It was as much for the students to gain experience with with that process, right? but you talked to a bunch of the kids one-on-one, and, and what did you garner from talking to 17-year-old trade students looking to come into the industry? That it is very different than talking to 17-year-olds that are just in high school. Um, these young men and women came to us professionally dressed, looking to actually land a job. They weren't there because their parents told them they had to go out and try and get a job. Uh, They weren't there because it was cool because their friends might have done it. They understood already that this trade, which is what we are, 
could be a profession. It could be a career. Um, what we tried to get across, and I think successfully, was that although they were studying carpentry or electric or masonry, um, this particular industry, the swimming pool industry, puts all of those together. And for those that have their OSHA 10, 20, 30, um, none of them, I think, had gotten SST yet, but they understand the process. Now, they are looking at prevailing wage jobs, for instance, which makes it a little easier for us to explain, even though most in our industry aren't doing that. In a prevailing wage situation, which my company does quite a bit of, we have to designate which trade. So even on that scale, on a state level, swimming pool's not a trade in their eyes. Mm -hmm. We're starting here, ground floor, to try and get to a point because our technicians in our industry, they are carpenters. They are steel lathers. They are masons. They're all the above. Right. So it makes it an interesting and intriguing concept for somebody who's in a trade school to think, well, wait a second. Some, granted, Rob, may love electricity, mm -hmm. and they want to stay with it. But for the most part, they just think it's a good career. Now, wait a second. I could do electricity. I could learn water chemistry. I can do carpentry. I could do masonry. And we're providing them with a career path that's very different than what they thought they were going to do, which was pretty much the same old thing every day for the rest of their lives. It's not to knock that type of trade, just to say that we provide something that's a little more diverse, perhaps. It's going to appeal to a different subset of that, that student base. Right. We have vinyl pools versus gunite pools. We have technician, just service, operating all different types of equipment, from automation to heaters to pumps. And then we have construction on both sides of that right. equation. So I think what we provide is um, the ability for these young people to jump in. To Rob's point about the adult ed, we did teach a class to start out that was adult ed. It was a tremendous turnout. Um, there were a lot of people, like you said, that are re-entering. Some of them, maybe it's not for them because there was too much physical work. But there are a lot of companies in our industry, like you said, looking for salespeople, looking for engineering, looking for design work. So depending on if they find themselves in the right situation with who they're interviewing with, there's a lot of different opportunity for every age group. And that's why you pass the mic. That's one of the interesting things for anybody at any level, whether you're a high school trade student or you're coming in um, you know, laterally from a different career or getting back into the workforce, is the career tree for our industry has so many branches on it, right? You can start in a lot of ways. You can go into distribution. You can go, you know, even even within sales, you could be an outside sales rep. You could you could be a desk rep, you know, for a, for a manufacturer. You could be a manufacturer's rep directly for, for a company. You could go into manufacturing. You can work for a pool company doing sales. You could, there's so many different ways you can engage with this industry once you kind of get get into it. And if we've learned, if I've learned nothing else, is that once you get into it, it's really hard to get out of it. <laughs> it's kind of a reasons why it's so hard to get out of it is the 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 blending of the trades to create these beautiful i mean they're beautiful they're, the creativity that's done on a lot of these designs and i think what excited a lot of the students who interviewed was being able to be a part of this mm -hmm. uh, look what I, look what i created versus looking at a house it's a nice house but where's your work it's not displayed anywhere we're here with the waterfalls, it's the plumbing, it's the concrete work, it's the, 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 the masonry work, the wiring that goes into all of that. You're part of a team that created something very special.
Mm-hmm. And I think that appealed, especially the students who stood out on those interviews, they are already creative thinkers. Mm-hmm. And I think their personalities lend themselves to an industry like yours, where they can actually use their talent in the trades to create a work of art. And to that same end, the satisfaction of just cleaning a pool that was opened a week ago, it's filthy, it's green, you finally can see the bottom and there's two inches of sediment, and you're the one that went over, added the right chemicals, spent one hour, two hours, three hours, whatever, and at the end of the day, it's this gorgeous, sparkling, everybody wants to jump in, you're everybody's favorite person as long as you got it to that point. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of pride and satisfaction in that for those who are looking to be successful rather than, oh, I can't believe I'm here. But those that are looking to be successful at the end of that job, as simple as it sounds, just cleaning a pool, tons of pride in that. And I think when you talk about taking pride from a high school student's perspective, having pride in your work, one of the things that we did comment on, uh, we had a few students who interviewed who did not play up on their interview that they spoke Spanish. Mm-hmm. They were, I don't know if they were ashamed of it. They weren't, they didn't put that like first and foremost Mm -hmm. on their resumes, which in any industry these days, anything related to construction, being bilingual is a major selling point to promote themselves. So for our high school students, that was a real learning experience Mm -hmm. to say, well, oh, really? I should push that more? Yes, absolutely. You should promote that more. So um, we, Interview, we presented to and interviewed with over 300 um, high school students currently in trade programs. Um, and then we did this adult ed program, which we've talked, which we've touched on a, a couple of times. That came from basically this dual pronged approach of like, all right, well, we can, let's do all of the above. Because when we first reached out, we were talking about the high school kids and then there were a few other folks from BOCES involved and then they laid out a couple other options and um, we sat down with everybody here, Karen Chaikin, the program, the, the um, administrator, executive director for LIPSA. A bunch of us looked at them, well, we can do both. Let's, let's talk to the high school kids, but let's also see what's out there in the adult thing. We don't know what we don't know and see where, you know, if you don't throw your, line in the water, you don't know what you're going to catch, right? And that's why we partnered with the Department of Labor to get that class up and running. And now that we've had a full semester under our belts, now we can include that in all the other course offerings. Um, we, I mean, we got a class together, which by itself right. is a miracle. Um, I mean, that, that's one of the benefits of people being unemployed from COVID. Um, but now that we have it in, that's a sad thing to say. Take that out, please. Yeah. <laughs> You know, as a result of COVID, we were able to have people come back and join the workforce. That was a, a good selling point for that course. Now that we have it in the course catalog, now we'll be able to offer. That was was it just um, installation or was it maintenance? It was an over. Yeah, yeah. Break it down. All right. So the course that we provided was the CMS Certified Maintenance Specialist. It was the intro to swimming pools. Okay. The course was attended by all different types. Um, some of them were eager to get a job. Others were there because they thought, hey, I'm going to take this course because I have a swimming pool in my backyard. And there were others that were there, as you mentioned, the Department of Labor was helpful in sending it out. And there are people that are currently unemployed that now we're giving them an opportunity to go back to work. Mm-hmm. Again, we, we got all different types. The course itself felt like like a success and a big part of the success was 
we didn't just teach the course. It wasn't just Kyle Chaikin. It wasn't just Cheryl Heather. We brought in manufacturers' representatives. We brought in other pool companies, right? Bob Barzilay, for instance, came in and taught the CPO. Mm-hmm. Mike Klafka, you know, Autopilot AquaCal, they're a terrific partner. Zach Schultz from Zodiac, uh, Bill Hanley from Hayward. We had people come in to teach different aspects of the industry, and we showed them. It wasn't just CMS. We showed them what being a manufacturer's rep is. Uh, a certified pool operator, what it would take to become that, because that's a whole other group of um, possibilities for right. somebody to get a job. Mm-hmm. And our goal is not just self-serving to help our industry, although that's a terrific thing, but it's also to provide these avenues, as Cheryl pointed out on the East End in particular, back in the day when somebody went to a trade school, whether it was when I grew up in East Northport or out in Southampton, Oh, a trade school? What are you talking about? Now, look at a lot of the people that are business owners. They're all the same people that went to trade schools, learned to trade, or maybe they never even did, and they just went straight into the field. And a lot of those people end up in the swimming pool industry for whatever reason. And here we all are as business owners, members of this great association that helps each other and also is benevolent and helps out people that need charitable help, right? We've built pools for Make-A-Wish. We've donated heaters. Our company in particular has done a lot of that type of work. So I think when they heard that and they saw it firsthand from the manufacturers that were coming in, explaining, because sometimes we don't pat ourselves on the back, but when each manufacturer tells a story of, oh, and we helped Kyle to do this, or maybe we helped Cheryl and, you know, do that, or it was Julie Kasdan or Bob Barsley, and they're like, wow, you guys did all that? And in the adult ed, that hit home pretty well. When we were interviewing the kids, to your point, some of them weren't just bilingual with Spanish. There were other languages that they covered Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and both Cheryl and I were doing the interviewing told them how important that was and that that will help them in any trade or any job they get in the future so the kids that you're providing to the class are exactly what we need and I think we're exactly what they need an opportunity to have another option and options are always great and and you're absolutely right. And this has been so. This idea of trade school versus college is like one of these push pull things people like to get into all the time in the big picture of, of society and, and, and education. But it's 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 not one is better than the other. It's options for people to you know where, where do you where do you want to be? What hits you the right way? What what skills do you have? What gives you a sense of reward at the end of the day? And if it's if it's a trade school lane versus a four-year institution versus a postgraduate degree in something, whatever, great. Neuropsychology. Good good for you, right? But that's the point is to have all these options so that everybody can find success in our society and, and in the workforce. So the class you ran was, was successful. Um, it, was, it was one time. It was the first time we've done it. I know it's scheduled to, to happen again. And we did talk to the students um, in your school in mm-hmm. particular. Mm-hmm. So, um, how many locations do we have of BOCES? I believe it's 34 BOCES across New York State. In our region, I run uh, four different centers, so mm-hmm. four different buildings, if you will. Um, but other, other BOCES have other... So BOCES is the is the network in New York State, mm-hmm. and there's, you know, obviously other organizations. You didn't say what that stands for. I believe I did. Board of Educational Cooperative Services. 
I'm still and not going to remember it. I, I understand. I don't understand that either. <laughs> Board of Cooperative Educational Services. Uh, but in, in every area, every state has a trade school of some kind. Uh, right. Some of them are built into high schools. Some of them are standalone uh, share time centers like ours. And where there's not one a solid network, there's probably an association that links them or something Correct. like that. So we... So, um, Cheryl, when you, you sort of helped identified some of this. And one of the things that I think is really key is we're talking about students, right? And we just, we just said, like, there needs to be an option for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. There needs to be an option for every student. One of the challenges, I think, with 16 and 17-year-olds is those options need to be conveyed in a positive way mm-hmm. to their parents as yeah. well. Because it's oftentimes, you could be like, I got a great job opportunity for you, and you're going to start out making whatever an hour, and this is the career path, and these other things. And then they go home for dinner, and they go, I, well, you're going to county college, and then you're going to get a degree, you know, you're going to be an accountant, because I said so. Yeah, so I think that... Um, in, in addressing workforce development, we need to start younger with with the kids. You know, I'm sure this is a challenge for BOCES as well because they mm-hmm. kind of need to make their decision by the time they're in the eighth grade, right, about what they're going to do uh, mm-hmm. as far as entering uh, a trade program. So, you know, starting young. And I know that um, some folks in the Penn Jersey chapter have actually tried that, doing programs um, with the in some elementary schools, uh, Sure. To introduce Jeremy Hasbrook in particular. Jeremy Hasbrook has done that to introduce kids at a young age. Like this could be a fun and exciting career. Right. And, um, and then it's, it's the parents too. When the kids are in junior high, uh, it's, it's a big reach to try and really change that mindset about you have to go to college. You have to go to college when it's just not for everybody. And, um, you know, it takes kids a while. Obviously, this is Rob's field. He knows more than I do. But I think this is a big, giant step in that right direction of of um, promoting um, a trade school education. And I just think it's it, we're just on the ground floor of this. Right. I think the big mis- misconception is that it's an either-or approach, where it's like one lane, you're college-bound or you're trade school-bound. That was true back when, <laughs> when looking around the table, when we were in high school. Um, today, most trade schools have college articulation credits, dual enrollment credits. So they're getting college yeah. credit while they're attending these trade skills. And I think, as you said before, the uh, students who leave with a, with a vocational training, a technical training, can earn right out of high school. So imagine working and not taking on college debt. Uh, imagine um, maybe college is not right for you right now. But once you get into trade, you start next thing you know, you, you're, uh, you're working, your business starts to grow. You bring on a second team member, a third team member, another crew. Next thing you know, you're having a, a full-fledged business where you may need a, a, a bachelor's of science to, to get funding and whatnot. So maybe down the road, college might be an option for you. Um, but right now, it's not. That's okay. Right. And like not to be too philosophical, but like it's this you know framework of you know you finish high school at eighteen and then you have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Some people at fourteen know exactly what they're going to do. They've got it figured out. Something clicked in their head somewhere along the way. Right. Some people get to their forties and still don't know what they're going to do and are still trying to figure it out. Right. So like, but when's it going to? Right. So you're at, it's, it's a great point to say like maybe this is what's right for you right now, and maybe through working for ten years in an industry and building building some kind of a career, you realize where that pivot point is for you. You realize what really kind of gets you going to get up and go to work every day and 
and like that. And some people can own businesses since 1985 and still not know what they want to do. <laughs> exactly. 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 So what is the future of this relationship? That's a speculative question, but, but for I guarantee you that there's members of ours who've either heard what we're doing or might be watching this or read, read an article in our update or something like that and went, well, that's great. I need people now. Sorry, that's probably going to bang. I need people now. And that's true. And we know that. And, and we all know that. But this is an approach that we're taking to workforce development that is admittedly a little bit of a long game, right? It's a numbers game, right? We talk to 300 students. You know, my question for Rob is how over different BOCES schools do we talk to 3,000 students mm-hmm. next spring, right? And how do we grow that from there? Because that's going to build over years, we're going to build that traction. Some of those students will hear us two or three times. They'll start really looking. They might interview twice, and they'll start seeing this opportunity. So, Dom, as you're well aware, the Workforce Development Task Force that I sit on, Chair and Cheryl, I believe we dragged her onto that as well. Um, This was phase one, right? We're trying to get into Mm -hmm. the trade schools, when Cheryl brought BOCES to us, it was the perfect match. And we're trying to start that relationship. It is the seed, as you call it, right? The yeah. long game. We start doing this, but now the onus falls back to members of the association to start creating that career path. Instead of us just talking about it, we have to show people. None of us are trying to compare ourselves to uh, plumbers or electricians directly. But when you go to the plumbing program or the carpentry or the electrician, they were able to show a steady rise in their income as opposed to just us saying, oh, look at me. I started here where I got to. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, but I think that they show them the actual career path. So our industry, as wide and and as many different varieties as there are, and of course, I assume, but I'm not sure, that plumbers make different money here in Long Island than they do in upstate New York or in Wichita, Kansas. Um, it's going to be the same for us, but we have to start creating that path. Uh, Bob Blanda, in particular, has been talking about this for 10, 15 years, creating this career path. And we finally put something in play that's going to allow us to get there. Right. And then it's going to take the rest of the association. Right, not just NESPA, but a uh, <laughs> PHTA. Sorry about that. Uh, to come on in and help us to create it. I know they're doing their own thing in California. There's got to be a synergy with that. And mm-hmm. if we, as an uh, a trade, right, and not just an association, but a trade, right, come together across the country, we'll be able to create our own workforce. We will get the word out there um, through associations through hard work, through partnerships with programs like BOCES, Mm -hmm. and eventually, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not even in three or four years, but hopefully within the next 10 years, there'll be just a ton of talent that's been trained on all these different skill sets. Mm -hmm. And one of the skill sets will have been swimming pool. Now, whether that's water chemistry, construction, I don't know how far we're going to develop it, but it's going to incorporate all of it. And let's go around the room and see what Cheryl's answer is. Well, this year certainly um, was just planting a seed. And uh, as far as even 
interviewing kids who are interested. We were still limited by uh, in-person contact, but hopefully in a few years, this would, would expand that uh, kids are able to take classes. We're able to hold actual job fairs, um, you know, real, uh, you know, really ramp up a, a more formalized recruitment effort. And um, listen, that would just be another member benefit of being a member of this, this, uh, this <laughs> great association that we're trying to promote here all the time. So... From any trade school's perspective, anytime we can get a partner that's as giving as, as you guys were this year, um, it, it's a true benefit for their program. Yes, we were hampered because anything we could do was only virtual. Um, but could you imagine if you get a kid on a work site who from the start, who sees it from day one where you're clearing land to the finished product, let them see the work that goes into them, how the trades are actually used um, in, in, in creating Again, this work, these works of art, it'll blow a student away. They'll be very impressed and, and excited about joining the industry. From the school perspective, our work created ripples in areas that I don't think any of us realized. Um, in our discussions with the interview team, I discovered that there was a need for lifeguards on Long Island. Lo and behold, we have a certified personal trainer program. Now my teacher is looking into how can we get students practicing enough to prepare for that lifeguard exam. Um, in my graphic yeah. arts class, they're like, well, you know, do, do they need graphic designers to design the, the layouts for this so they can help, vis help clients visualize the work that they're doing? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm mm -hmm. sure we can bring that to the table next time. My photo professional photography class, well, someone's got to take pictures for the brochures. How does that work? You know what? That's a great question. Let me ask the partners who can help guide us to an answer for that. So it's not, um, while we did it, we, we introduced the program to 350 students, 340 students, and we interviewed about 35, 40 students, give or take. And, and maybe a handful may have gotten um, were offered positions. At the end of the day, it's about that growth model. How can we get right. more students excited about this industry and, and see it as a viable career option for them? And I think we're on the right track. I agree. And both of you pointed out the lack of in-person because a job fair, I mean, just in the Chaken Ultimate Group alone, we need technicians that service equipment. We need maintenance people to go out and clean pools. We need lifeguards. We have a Chaken Ultimate Management Team. Mm -hmm. We need people to run that, not just be the lifeguards, but to manage the lifeguards. Sure. We need CPOs, certified pool operators, so that we can go out and actually provide these services. And we need people to construct pools. And that's one company. So imagine when you take the 800 companies that are in Nespo, or maybe it's more now, Dom, 900. Um, imagine exponentially, to your point, how many jobs are available. Right just on the east end of Long Island. And teenagers have no clue about the demand. So um, this has been a good conversation. I think it kind of conveys, this is, we, we've been working on this for a little while now. It's been since the fall, since we started. And uh, the last few months, all of these things have happened and we're setting things, things up for, for this fall. Um, I think this, this format has been great to sort of convey because it's, it's, we've talked to people about it, but I don't know that unless you can kind of have a full conversation, it's hard to really kind of get into the, into the, into the details. 
Um, as we kind of wrap this around, Rob, is there anything else about BOCES or anything you want to say or, or share in general? Um, Promote your program a little bit. Come on. Promote a program. <laughs> uh, if you visit uh, on Long Island, if you visit uh, www.academyli.org, you'll see all the course offerings that we offer for high school students. And, of course, esposies.org for our adult education programs. Cool. Um, Cheryl, Kyle, anything you want to add before we wrap? I'm, I just can't believe that we have talked about this for so long and it actually happened. It's so <laughs> exciting for for a lot of us in this in this association. And thank you to you, Dominic. I don't know if you get enough credit because, as Cheryl just said, we have been working on this for an awfully long time. Maybe you're just lucky, but you happen to be sitting in the right chair and you're the right guy because as soon as we called up and said we had this opportunity, you and your entire team at NESPA took over, made things happen, and... Before I knew it, I was getting a phone call. Can you teach on this day? And I said, maybe. You said, stop making things happen. <laughs> yeah, I told you to slow down, buddy. <laughs> no, but also, all jokes aside, you and Al, who's here, video. No, but listen, that, that's that's the um, the point of a trade association is to help advocate for the trade in, in whatever that means in the moment. When early COVID, it was government affairs and essential worker statuses and things like that. And then as we came out of that, this is exactly what the industry needs. It's a slow process. It's slower than a lot of us would like it to be. It's it's not always easy, nothing to do with our relationship because you guys have been tremendous to work with. Mm -hmm. um, but it, like you said, it takes people, it takes involvement. Um, the association is only as strong as its members. So we do need people to, there are things that we can do, Al can do, Kelly can do, people on my team can work on, but there are things that you guys have to do to make it, to make it go. And that, that relationship and the fact we have, have so many strong members out here on the island where we're starting this is, is why it's successful. And I think just one final point, I believe we touched on it, but it's important for anybody who's witnessing this or watching this to know this is step one, Long Island just so happened to fall in place. To your point, a lot of really good volunteers, uh, great leadership. And this game plan is to go, I think we had talked about it, right through New York State where BOCES has yeah. connected throughout the state, then right into the rest of our region. And we're hopeful that it'll go across the country because this can't work unless it's countrywide. We want it to be 100%. national, not local. And I think our approach um, has been, is going to continue to be, we want to push it as fast as we can push it and do it well and sustainably, right? So if, if, if we can get into a couple more BOCES next year and we kind of refine that pitch and we refine those slides and we refine that class and we figure out where we're at and then we can grow, you know, grow it out a little bit quicker, great, but we definitely want it to be um, uh, effective. It's not something we're looking to, to do just to do. This, we think the results are going to be there and we want to see it happen. So Kyle Chaikin, Cheryl Heather, the Chaikin Ultimate Group, um, uh, Rob Van Brunt with the BOCE School. Appreciate you guys um, being here, but for everything you've done to, to help the association, help the industry, and attract more people to our workforce. So thank you for watching the latest episode of New Depths. Um, we'll see you soon. Okay.